Welcome back to Cross and Hoop. I am your host, Hannon Kobe Sue. Back at again. Another episode on the NBA playoffs live Thursday night, right before Friday. Unfortunately, uh, Calvin cannot join me today, so I'll be taking this solo. Uh, should be a shorter episode compared to our last episode, which was <laughs> like over an hour 40. But today, just going to talk briefly about Lakers, Suns. Clippers, Mavericks, Blazers, Nuggets, all the West matchups. Um, and then we'll talk briefly about uh, my pick for the Rookie of the Year. And then I'll make my predictions for tomorrow's NBA playoff games, which are the Knicks versus Hawks game three, Nets versus Celtics game three, and Mavericks versus Clippers game three. So let's get right to it. Lakers, Suns. So obviously, uh, the Suns stole Game One, uh, and on Sunday, where um, they beat the Lakers, and LeBron, AD, and Shooter all played bad, um, and right away, all over the internet, is is this kind of like assurance <laughs> for Lakers fans and LeBron fans that. It's okay because we've seen this movie before, right? Like, uh, like my brain, and uh, not my brain. Sorry, uh, Kevin Harlan would say we've seen this movie before, right? You know, LeBron led team lose game one and then go right off, right? Like last in the bubble, Lakers lost game one to the Blazers, and then went four straight gentleman sweep. Lost game one to the Rockets, wins four straight gentleman sweep. So. Right over all over internet, Twitter, Instagram, everyone's saying, calm down, chill. You know, LeBron, that was just a few out game for him. And they were right. Because Tuesday night, Lakers responded and won game two. And tonight, just at first, Lakers won game three. So now the Lakers have a 2-1 lead. They stole one game from the Suns at their home court. So now they have the home court advantage as well. So... Uh, the thing is right but I want to go deeper into the matchup um, and what happened in those two games uh, and then I'll give my prediction for the rest of the series so in game two it was a it was a pretty good game um, you know uh, Dennis Schroeder for the Lakers he played a way better game in game two versus game one. In game one, there were some moments where Shooter went one on five. <laughs> and, and, you know, everyone's talking about him. He, he just won a contract. Like, he's trying to prove that he can score in the playoffs. He wants that contract. He's, he cares about that money more than, the, more than the win. But then in game two, you know, he was distributing the ball. He played well. He had 24 points, made big buckets and big moments. Um, he was playing well. But the guy that I was actually the most um, impressed by was Andre Drummond. Drummond started the game off for the Lakers playing well. The whole game he had 15 points, 12 rebounds. But 
Those 12 rebounds, six of them came in the first four minutes of the first quarter, including four offensive rebounds. That set the tone because in game one, Drummond and AD both played terrible and they could let, you know, little young DeAndre Ayton dominate the both of them. You know, Ayton had more points than AD and Drum combined. You know, so Drummond coming in game two, you know, grabbing six rebounds in the first four minutes really set the tone. You know, bodied up Aiton, telling them whose paint it is. Um, obviously, AD had a monster game. Um, 34 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. You know, responded very well to all the A Disney memes <laughs> that came on the Twitter uh, after game one, right? Um, completely outplayed Aiton. And then LeBron, 23 points, 4 assists, uh, four rebounds, 9 assists, set the tone for offense and had two really um, game-clinching shots, I would say. Um, one was a, a fadeaway, turnaround fadeaway at the end of the shot clock. And then another one was the three that really clinched the game uh, towards the end. The Suns. Uh, the Suns. For game two. I hate to say this. But Devin Booker. Was the dark best player. On the court. For the Suns. And the two players above them. None of them was even named Chris Paul. Okay. Obviously Chris Paul was injured. Uh, in game one. You know. It was a it was a friendly fire. Cameron Payne I think. Was the one who uh, kind of hurt him. Twisted his shoulder. Uh, you can see that he's he can't uh, handle the ball as well. He his shots are a little short, um, so Chris Paul is compromised in both game two and tonight in game three. He didn't play the entire fourth quarter in game two, and even without Chris Paul on the floor, Booker was the third best player on the Suns in game two and in game three. Okay, why did I say that? Because DeAndre Ayton had 22 points, 10 rebounds. Again, okay. Um, he He's completely outplaying AD in game one. Uh, he had 21 points, 16 rebounds. Um, in game two, 22 points, 10 rebounds, another double-double. You know, when Chris Paul was on the floor, he set up nice pick and rolls, gave him wide open shots, wide open jump hooks, um, wide open dunks. Uh, in the first two games, he shot like 87% from the field. <laughs> it's absurd, right? He, he averaged 21.5 points uh, in the first two games. And 20 of them, 20 points per game in the first two games came from in the paint. That's how dominant Aiton has been. He was definitely the best player on the floor game two. And in my opinion, game game one too. Just because the fact that he outplayed AD. And then the second best player was in game two was Cameron Payne. This guy came out of nowhere. 13, 19 points, three rebounds, seven assists. You know, he was playing like Chris Paul. Like I was looking at him. He had like kind of like shadows and reminiscence of Chris Paul when Chris Paul was sitting out because he was hurt. You know, he had a minute restriction, couldn't play as much, couldn't dribble as well. Cameron Payne looked like Chris Paul. He made big shots when they needed 
when they needed him to make big shots, made good passes when they needed him to make good passes. Booker had 31 points, but 11 of them came at last minute free throw in the fourth quarter when the game didn't matter anymore because the Lakers already had the game. The Lakers had the momentum to win the game. And then Booker went, draw a bunch of fouls, and then just shot free throws. That didn't matter because the Lakers already won the game. So, but when it did actually matter, when the game was still, you know, there's a chance the Suns could take that game. Booker got locked down twice. The first time, he was dribbling down uh, to mid-range area, kind of outside of paint, just outside of paint, pulled up. LeBron was right in front of him, locked him down. The shot clamped. Okay, second time, also dribbling in, in the paint, had a nice, he had an open look at the uh, basket, but AD came from behind, blocked the shot. So he had two chances to win the game. First time got clamped, second time got stuffed. Okay, so thir- those 31 points might look well on the stat sheet, but if you actually watch the game, you know Booker was the reason why they lost the game. So Booker was not even the best player on the floor for the Suns. He was not even the second best player. In my opinion, he was the third best player in game one. In game two, excuse me. In game three, uh, which was tonight, was a close game um, until the third quarter where AD dropped 18 points out of his 34 tonight. He had 34 again. You know, 34 points, 11 rebounds, 18 in the third quarter. A lot of it was just LeBron dishing him in transition and one, right? And then uh, one-on-one down low and one. Floaters, hook shots, just eating them up in the paint. Okay, so he he had a very, very um, scary fall. Uh, I think it was in the fourth quarter. Uh, where he chased down, blocked Booker, okay, chased him down, and then fell, and his knee kind of twisted in, and you know, um, if if you're a Lakers fan, um, you watch AD, every time he falls, like, if it's just a regular fall, you're already scared, but if you see the knee twisting in, you're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> but he played through it, didn't look like anything serious, KCP was the one who got, who was hurt, uh, mid-thigh contusion, didn't return the rest of the game. Um, Drummond, another big game. Um, six points, not that much, but he had 11 boards. And again, he kind of like set the tone for the Lakers. He had a big block on Booker. Booker again. Um, in the first quarter. That kind of just set the tone again. Saying, the paint is ours for the Lakers. Um Schroeder, he had a big game, dropped 20 points. Um, he, he didn't score that much, but he scored when the Lakers needed him to score. So, for example, um, in the fourth quarter, the Suns were making a run almost entirely by Cameron Payne. This guy was going off the last two, game, the last two games without Chris Paul. The whole series, really. Um, I think he went on a 9-0 run by himself. And then Shooter came in, had a big layup, you know, went through the entire length of the floor. Uh, tough layup, stopped a 9-2 run. And then from there, the Lakers just took the game. 
And I think the most entertaining part of game three was just uh, in the fourth quarter, LeBron played the whole fourth quarter, um, even though they were up like 17, 19. And then Cameron Payne went on that individual run, cut it almost to 10, to 8 at one point. Um, but it was because <laughs> the reason why Cameron Payne was able to go on that run was because LeBron was playing you know, selfish basketball for the first time in a long time. He was playing one-on-one with Jay Crowder. Um, if you watched the game, you would know what I'm talking about because, uh, you know, there were really two possessions. The first possession, LeBron had the ball, uh, right side, wing, uh, inside a three-point line. Um, more like elbow uh, to baseline-ish in the middle of that area. He he, he had ball one-on-one with uh, Jay Crowder, and then he was just dribbling between the legs, between the legs, between the legs for like a good five seconds. And the whole bench, the whole arena got hyped, you know, started cheering. Um, you know, obviously LeBron was trying to, you know, I think at the start, LeBron wasn't trying to do anything. He was just trying to get by him. But then once he heard the fans cheering, the, the bench hyping them up, he started wanting to play with him, right? So all the flashy handles and then uh, had a turnaround, fade away, didn't make it. Um, but then... Uh, Crowder, um, you know, he made a big defensive stop, right? Got the, shut the crowd up, right? But then he, he had an offensive foul right down the floor. Um, so LeBron got the ball back. And then, you know, inbound. Uh, before the ball was even inbound, this is the second possession. That was kind of funny. Um, before the ball was even inbounded, LeBron and Crowder were just leaning on each other, trying to tough each other up. And then... Um, the ball was lobbed in, and then LeBron just keep on lean back on him. Didn't dribble yet, and then you can just see Andre Drummond on the sideline on the bench copying LeBron's move. Um, and then LeBron had a spin to the right, um, deep baseline drive, and then under and over layup. And then the whole arena just exploded. The bench were hype, you know, jumping on the court, having a technical foul. But um, that was like the highlight of the game. Um, I'm sure that's going to trend on Twitter and everything tonight. But you can see that the Phoenix Suns, without Chris Paul, you know, running the offense, is not a 51-win team. Because it's it's so obvious. When Chris Paul played, when Chris Paul was on the floor, Aiden's getting wide open jump shots, wide open dunks. And, I, and um, AD is just like, what? what? How did Aiden get that lob, get that pass? How, why is it so wide open? But when Chris Paul is not on the floor, which he didn't play either fourth quarters in game two or game three, no, no one's running that offense. So Chris Paul, I've said it since the beginning of the season when he joined the Suns, is the best player and the most important player on the Phoenix Suns. To me, Booker is still just a good scorer, a good shooter. That's it. Okay. In fact, he, he needs to develop more in terms of it, uh, his maturity as a player. Because you know there were several plays where um, you could see that the Lakers were getting into his head. For example, in the fourth quarter, um, Wesley Matthews, okay, he, he just made... Two big threes, 
Okay, and you saw LeBron in the in the timeout. He was doing the archer archer celebration. Just kept doing it, and then down the uh, floor, he had a big stop on Devin Booker. Right, um, obviously, you know, probably did his vet moves like thirty little uh, secrets. Probably had some contact. The refs didn't call it, and then you could see Booker getting frustrated because right down the floor. He just kept on shoving West, trying to, you know, he's playing defense, which Booker, you know, is not exactly known for his defense, but he's aggressive on defense, pushing, shoving, just trying to deny uh, West the ball, and then the refs just called it. And then you could see Booker is frustrated, trying to get himself out of it. And then, you know, at the very end of the game, you know, Dennis Schroeder had a drive. He was in the air, and then Booker just shoved him right at the waist. Which, you know, he first of all, that was a sixth foul, so he's automatically ejected. And then the refs reviewed it and called it a flagrant two. So double ejection. So you can see Booker and compare Chris Paul. I think they're in completely two tiers. Okay, there's people saying, oh, these guys are going to be co-stars. I think Chris Paul is not only the best player on that team. He's best player by a mile. Okay. The Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul on the floor, I predicted that this series go to six games at least. But the Phoenix Suns without Chris Paul on the floor, this is going to be a gentleman sweep. Game one, Lakers feel out game. Next four games, bam, 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 bam. If there's no Chris Paul. Okay, so second matchup. <laughs> I'm going to love talking about this. The Clippers and the Mavericks. <laughs> I remember after game one, um, in our last episode, I make the prediction that the Dallas Mavericks will hand the Clippers a first round exit this playoffs. And I don't think anyone really believed in it <laughs> besides myself. Um, even though the Mavs were already up 1-0. But after last night, <laughs> the Mavericks beating the Clippers. And I now have a 2-0 lead. Stole two games from the home court. 2-0 lead. And they're going back to Dallas. I think everyone is starting to jump on the bandwagon. Saying the Mavericks will upset the Clippers. But let's, let's, be, let's be real. Let's look at tonight. Uh, yes, last night. And see what actually happened. Okay. The Clippers actually played a good game offensively. Okay. Kawhi had 41 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. Okay. And he had 30 points, 30 of those 41 points by halftime. So he was going off. Okay. PG had a pretty good game. He had 28 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. It wasn't like backport P or way off P or pandemic P. But difference for that game was just that the Mavericks were better offensively okay because let's look at it especially from three Chris Porzingis had 20 points three of four from the three-point line including that one shot in the fourth quarter where he, he he shot it it bounced so high off the rim like 50 seconds pass and then it dropped back into the basket <laughs> right they were just that hot Maxi Kleba, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, Kawhi dunked on him. Kawhi baptized him. 
You know, he's a good defender. And he had 13 points, 2 of 2 from 3, while guarding Kawhi the whole game, pretty much. So he hits important shots, big shots, meaningful shots, and he gets big stops. Tim Hardaway Jr., 28.6 of 8 from the 3-point line. Including one big three that was like kind of like 30 feet out. Kind of iced the game. He was hot, obviously. You know, I don't expect him to go 6 of 8 every game for the rest of the series. But Luka Dantich. This guy plays like he hates the Clippers. Because he's got 39 points last night. 7 rebounds, 7 assists. He is 5 of 13 from the 3-point line. And 16 of 29 from the field. Took 29 shots. Right? And overall, the entire Mavericks team is 18 of 34. Which is 53% from the three-point line. Obviously, the Mavericks were hot last night from the three-point line. But the thing I don't understand is... Los Angeles Clippers... Y'all pay $103 million... To get Kawhi Leonard. Y'all paid $193 million to re-sign PG. You have Patrick Beverly. You have Nicholas Batum. You have Reggie Jackson. You have Roger Rondo. You have Serge Ibaka. You have quote-unquote the best perimeter defense in all of basketball. Right with Kawhi and PG. How can you not stop I guess, what is he, a third-year player, Luka Dantich? How did you let Luka Dantich, whom Marcus Morris called, uh, Marcus Morris Sr. called, a little white boy, how did you let the little white boy drop 39 on your head? You have the best perimeter defense in all of basketball, and you let this Dallas Mavericks, this fifth seed, drop 18 threes on your head? This is so funny to me because the Clippers stuck and tanked to avoid the Lakers. But they're going to, it seems like in all likelihood, they're going to get a first round exit. Originally, my prediction was Mavericks in seven. But right now, it's looking like it's going to be Mavericks in four or five. We'll see, of course, because Mavericks was really um, kind of lucky in game two that they got this hot. But I don't know. Los Angeles Clippers, man. You got to step up your game. <laughs> um, next matchup, Blazers-Nuggets, who also play tonight. Um, game two, the Nuggets won. It was really just the Nuggets played better the whole game. Um, they had the lead since the beginning. Never really lost the lead. Blew the Blazers off by the end of the game. Dame had a big game. He had 42 points, 10 assists. Um, Jokic playing like he's the MVP. 38 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. You know, MPJ stepped up, had 18 points. Um, the Nuggets were just a better team in game two. <laughs> there wasn't much to say about that other than that. Um, you know, the Blazers were hot, still game one. But Nuggets is the better team if you think about uh, the present construction. J- 
just because Jokic, first of all, Jokic is a mismatch for anyone in the NBA, um, especially for uh, the Blazers because uh, Enns Cantor isn't really known for defense, neither is uh, Nurkic. So he's already a mismatch. And now you're, you have kind of two centers who aren't really good at defense, trying to guard Yoke, who can score anywhere on the floor. And then you got MPJ, who, who is also a mismatch, really, um, for anyone on the Blazers. Um, and then in game three, it's interesting because um, Blazers, again, uh, had a decent game. You know, Dame, 37 points, 5 assists. CJ, 22 points, 9 assists. Melo has 17, you know, um, closed the game. Uh, Powell, 18 points, 4 rebounds. Powell is legit, you know. Powell, I had him on fantasy. Um, he, he gives you so many fantasy points. This guy is legit. He's a good defender. He can score. Um which is why he was in the closing late lineup. And I thought this closing lineup was very, very interesting for the Blazers. They played Dame, CJ, Powell, Melo, and Robert Covington. And they have Robin Covington as the center guarding Jokic. So they completely abandoned the two centers they have, you know, um, Cantor and Nurkic. And they have Rocco on the floor guarding, <laughs> guarding uh, Jokic. Well, Jokic is, again, playing like the MVP. 36 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. Um, and Nuggets were just a better team again in Game 3. It was much closer. The score was 120-115 for tonight. Um, the Nuggets kind of got lucky, I want to say, um, because Austin Rivers, who dropped 21 points, had four threes. In the final minutes of the fourth quarter. They kind of really just gave the Nuggets the win. It was a close game until Rivers went off. Um, so I think this series is going to be really, really close. Both teams are pretty evenly matched. If Jamal Murray was on the floor, I would have said Nuggets in six. But because Murray isn't, these two teams, I think Nuggets is the better team. But because Blazers have Dame, who can go off any game and take over any game, it's really hard to call. Um, last episode, I had the Blazers in seven, judging based on uh, the Blazers' performance in game one. I am still going to stick with that because one team has Dame. Um, Dame versus Yoke, they're very two completely different players. Jokic... He can drop crazy stats simply because he's a mismatch. Um, and his skill set is so unique. But Dame can drop crazy stats because he can shoot. <laughs> he can shoot like no one else in NBA history besides Steph Curry. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, this series is going to be really close. I think it will go down to Game 7. Um, and for that reason... We all know Dame's time is real. Um, and in the clutch, I just think that Dame will take over in Game 7. So I want to talk briefly, um, transition from all the matchups, um, and briefly talk about one of the NBA awards, race. So uh, obviously, uh, earlier this week, the NBA already announced um, two awards. 
which are six men a year, whom Jordan, Clark, Jordan Clarkson won. Um, his teammate Joe Ingos surprised him with the trophy at a press conference, I think it was, or it might have been an interview. Um, <laughs> the, the guy asked uh, Clarkson and Ingos, uh, has anyone in uh, jazz history won the sixth man of the year? And then uh, Clarkson's like, no, zero, zero, zero uh, players ever won. Um, and then Ingo's like, one, there's one now because you're the new sixth man of the year. Um, that was just a really sweet moment um, for teammates. And obviously, uh, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, Julius Randle was named uh, the most improved player. And um, his son uh, actually gave him the trophy. Um, so that was also very sweet. Um, so today I'll talk about the Rookie of the Year Award. And the three finalists are LaMelo Ball, Charlotte Hornets, uh, third overall pick. Anthony Everts, Minnesota Timberwolves, first overall pick. And uh, Tyreek Halliburton. Uh, for the Sacramento Kings. So going into going into the season, um, obviously Lamelo is the third overall pick. Edwards is the first overall pick. Wiseman is the second overall pick for the Warriors. Um, those are all attention were on them. But Tyrese uh, Halliburton, he had a hell of a season for the Kings. You know, he had 13 points, average 13 points, three rebounds, five assists. And he's a really good shooter. Um, shot 47% from the field, 41% from three, and 86% from the free throw line. So you can already see, even as a rookie, he has 50, 50, 90 potential in terms of shooting. And... His his defense is also pretty decent. So even though his shot is kind of weird, but it works. <laughs> so this guy, um, obviously there were the noise about him in the rookie of the year was never that high. Um, but he's a decent player. Um, the only thing I would say about him is, um, first of all, he only played 58 games. Um, so he missed, missed a bunch of the season, uh, season. And also he plays for a relatively bad team. You know, Sacramento Kings. Um, they do have Darren Fox. They do have Buddy Heal. But um, when, when I think about rookies, um, if you hype a team too much or a rookie too much, but don't take into the context of their team, uh, I think that's going to be problematic um but moving on to uh, LaMelo Ball the second ball brother um already played in professional basketball in Australia and in Europe uh you know because of his father LaVar hyping him up calling him the best of his three sons uh all lights were on him even before he went to the league and Third overall pick, Michael Jordan, the owner. Um, all the expectations are on him. He has a pretty decent team, Charlotte Hornets. Um, the only team out of the three rookies finalists, uh, which 
made it in the play-in. The other two teams were nowhere close. Um, and he played really good. Had a great season. Um, 16 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists as a rookie. So you can already see his all-around game. He's 6'6". Um, as a point guard, which is Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's height, right? Um, he's taller than the other two. Anthony Edwards is only 6'4". And uh, Halliburton is only 6'5". So he's taller. He's got better passing, way better passing. Um, court vision, creativity, shot making. Uh, you know, he's shooting 44% from the field, 35% from the three, and 76% from the free throw line. Way better than Lonzo Ball's numbers in his rookie year. He probably would have won rookie of the year, like, unanimously, if he didn't have that hand injury that only caused him to be able to play 51 games this year. With all that being said, my pick for the rookie of the year is Anthony Edwards. And Edwards playing for Minnesota Timberwolves. In flashes of the season, I felt like he was the best player on that team. Even though that team has D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell, even though team, that team has Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, in flashes of that season, ever since uh, Anthony Edwards became a starter, he played like moment in moments. He played as the best player on that team. Averaged 19 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Right, He shot 42% from the field, 33% from the three-point line, and 78% from the free throw line. He's athletic. right? He can guard at a pretty high level because of his athleticism. He can score inside. He can shoot the three. Um, and I think a very important criteria to look at is also he played all 72 games. Didn't miss a single game. LaMelo missed 21 games. Uh, Helen Burton missed 14 games. So if we're to judge the MVP also based on, you know, the number of games they miss, we, we count that against uh, Joel and B, right, in the MVP race, we should do the same for Rookie of the Year. And of course, this is not like, you know, um, a criteria or anything, but it's just a bonus because, you know, it's, it stays in our memory. Anthony Edwards is a human highlight reel. That dunk over uh, Utah Watanabe of the Toronto Raptors, right? It stays in our minds. And I think the, it, was, it will stick to the voters' mind. So I think Anthony Edwards will win um, Rookie of the Year. He played the most. Uh, he had the most entertaining highlights, in my opinion. Um, and his stats backs him up. So, rookie of the year pick for me, Anthony Edwards. Now, final segment, we'll be making predictions for uh, tomorrow's games. Uh, there will be three games, Knicks versus Hawks, Nets versus Celtics, and Mavericks versus Clippers, all game three. So, first off, Nets versus Celtics. Um... The Nets are up 2-0 on the Celtics. And in those two games, they look pretty dominant. But for game three tomorrow, I think if the Celtics were to win any game in this series, and I predicted that they will win one because I predict 
that Tatum will go off at least one game. And that one game where Tatum goes off, I think the Celtics will win. If they were to win any game, I think it has to be tomorrow's game. Um, because if they lose tomorrow, it'll, the Nets will go up 3-0. They will have no hope. It's going to be a broom out sweat. But because they're going to uh, going back to Boston, Celtics have the home court. Celtics fans are um, pretty hype, energetic. It is um, TD Garden. I think the Celtics will have that energy, that kind of back against the wall kind of feeling. Tatum will go off. I think Celtics will win a close game tomorrow. Knicks versus Hawks. Um, it's it's also another good series, just like uh, uh, Blazers versus Nuggets. <clears throat> I think the Knicks will take tomorrow's game, even though um, the series have one one. Uh, Atlanta managed to steal one game, game one uh, from the Knicks. They have home court advantage. They're going back to Atlanta. Trey Young is playing like, you know, he's a playoff player now. Talking all the trash, backing up with the threes. Um, I think the Knicks will win. Even though Julius Randle isn't scoring as much. The Knicks will have their defense. They didn't lose game one because of their defense. It's because they, they have no offense. Um... Randall struggled. Uh, the only guy that really kind of scored was Alec Burke, who went off 27 points. So if the Knicks continue to maintain their defense, the only thing, they will they will have the game close, right? They will keep the game close all the way down the clutch. And the only thing is who can make the clutch plays. And the Knicks in this matchup have the best player with the most playoff experience, who can close the game? Derrick Rose. Because even in uh, even in game one, right, where the entire Knicks team didn't play that well, with the exception of Alec Burks, who went off, Rose has 17 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. And in game two, he just went off. 26 points last night. Right? Got them to win. So I think Rose, even though he's not the youngest MVP that he was, um, his experience and his ability to get to the rim and make the right plays and his jumper is actually better than when he was younger. I think the Knicks, because of the defense, being able to keep the game close all the way down to clutch, they can give the ball to their most experienced player, their only MVP, which is... Derrick Rose, and I think he will bring them home. Last matchup, real quick, Mavericks-Clippers. Because the Mavericks are going back to Dallas with a 2-0 lead, um, because the Mavericks have Luka Dantich, who just hate the Clippers, playing like he hate them, playing with extreme confidence in himself. Um, I remember earlier in the season where... Uh, I made all-star predictions for um, who who deserves to be uh, starting five for the all-star team. And I picked Luka over Dame. 
And some of my friends are like, you're crazy. Damon's going off uh, without CJ. But I'm, in my mind, I was thinking about this Luca. Obviously, regular season Luca. He played good. You know, he still had his 28, 9, and none, right? But this Luca is the scary Luca. This Luca is the Luca I will pick over Dame. Because this Luca is not only the next superstar of the NBA, he is already the superstar um, right now. And he's proving it, right? Best perimeter defense in the NBA. He's tearing it apart. With this, and he's playing confidently. He's playing fearlessly. He's driving into Patrick Bugley, getting the M1s, and then saying he's too bleep small. He's making a step back three. It's honest here. And because of Luka, because they have a 2-0 lead, the whole team, their confidence is all-time high. They know what they're about to accomplish. If they beat the Clippers in the first round, the rest of the league is going to take notice because this is not a this is not your average sixth seed or fifth seed. Um, like I said in the last episode, this team was is built for playoffs. Not only to beat the Clippers, they're built for the playoffs because they got two All Stars. One of them is a superstar, Luca and Porzingis, and they have three and D players everywhere you look. Maxi Kleba, uh, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, Tim, Tim Harway Jr., Josh Richardson. All of them can defend. All of them can shoot threes. So adding the Mavericks, carrying the 2-0 lead, carrying their momentum with Luka Dantich as their superstar leader, they will win tomorrow 3-0. It might be a broomstick swept for, uh, for the Mavericks over the Clippers. Um, we'll see if... Uh, PG and Kawhi can respond. That's it for tonight's uh, Cross and Hoop. Calvin should be joining me back on uh, Saturday where we'll be making uh, way more fun takes. Um, we should be looking at uh, Depoy, Coach of the Year, and MVP in our next episodes. So tune into that. Uh, but yeah, thank you for tuning in tonight. See you next time.